We're in a series, it's a five-week series, and this is week two called Significant. I think I'm blocking it here. This is me in nature. You can just fit, fit right into this. But uh, no, it's definitely not. But <clears throat> Significant, a life that makes a difference. And we're, we're going through five significant values, five behaviors and attitudes and postures of life that we've identified and said, look, if these five things were present in a follower of Jesus, they're going to be successful. They're going to represent what we want to represent as, as a Joy Church, Eugene, what we want to represent as followers of Jesus. So we're going to look at uh, value number two, which is the value of relationship today. But this word significant, let me read you this definition. Significant means this, sufficiently great or important to be worthy of attention. Significant, or sorry, su- significant means sufficiently great or important to be worthy of attention or noteworthy. So a significant value, a significant life, uh, it's something that is great, sufficiently great or important to be worthy of attention. These are things that we want to give our attention to. So those of you that were here last week, you, you heard about the value of worship. And we describe worship as aligning our lives to the reality of God. Aligning our lives to the reality of God. This week we're going to talk about relationship. And relationship, this is the way that we sort of phrase this value is this. It's learning to love others like God loves us. Relationship. And we say we want to be a community that embodies this significant value of relationship. What do we mean by that? We mean this. I'm learning to love other people the way that God loves me, right? And this is a huge deal. Let me say this, that if we will win in the area of relationships, if we will win and we will, we will get good and we will learn to love others like God loves us, we will, we will see our city changed. Absolutely. We will see our city change. You'll see your family change when you learn to love them like God loves you. You will see your workplace change when you learn to love the, your co-workers like God loves you. And you know, I was thinking about relationships and I was asking the question, why are relationships significant or what makes relationships so significant? And I want to give you this phrase and we're going to unpack this. It's this, people matter most. People matter most. And I want you to think just for a second about the greatest successes in your life, those times when you felt like life was working, like this is, things are going well. And maybe you can say, yeah, it was maybe I got the, the job that I wanted or, or whatever. But if you think about this, actually the times that life was going the best, think about the people that you were in relationship with. And I, and I can almost guarantee you that when life is working, it's because your relationships are working, right? And then on the flip side, on the negative side, when life is not working, why is it? It's because your relationships are not working well. Now, I want you to try to think about the most negative, and I don't want to bum you out on Sunday, and we're going to lift it up, but the most negative maybe moment of your life, I can, and I'll tell you mine, one of the most negative moments of my life. But one of those most negative moments, isn't it connected to a person in your mind? Maybe it was words that someone spoke. Maybe it was the way that somebody made you feel. Maybe whatever, but it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, bad things happen and we go, oh, well, my car broke down and I felt really bad, but actually, no, it's not the worst part of life. The worst part of life oftentimes is in connection with relationship and conversely the best parts of life are when relationships are going well and so really for us as human beings and it's because God made us this way people matter most how, how my relationships are are working or not working it's odds are it's connected to a person or, or people in your life it's connected to relationship I remember I was about probably seven or eight years old and uh, I grew up in Medford and I went to a park. It's called Bear Creek Park. 
And I had a significant, Kelly knows what, where Bear Creek Park is, yeah. It's the best place to get a splinter in Medford. But yeah, it's all, this entirely massive wooden playground. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, but I went to Bear Creek Park, and, and I had this experience where another kid said something to me. And because of the thing that they said, it was a hurtful thing they said to me. And I'll tell you what it was. But it was a hurtful thing they said. And because of that, this moment lives on in my memories. It's ingrained. I remember what the grass smelled like. I remember how cold it was that day, like the temperature. I remember the, the sun. I remember what, about what time it was. I can see where the sun was at in the sky. I remember how the gravel felt on the playground. I remember what the swings were like. I remember the sounds. I'm, I, I, can, I can be there in an instant because this person said something to me that literally deeply wounded me. I was playing hide and seek with some kids and, and I, was a, a, I was born in 1984. What, what? And, uh, and so I, I was a, like, grew up in the 80s and 90s, and I think this was probably like early 90s, so of course my style was just absolutely on point. Um, I had like some hammer pants, uh, probably, you know, with geometric, like geodexic pants, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, I had a pink, hot pink, like neon pink shirt on, uh, because, yeah, it was 90s, right? So my mom dressed me, you know, and, and uh, so I'm, I'm wearing my hot pink shirt and I was kind of like probably at this point kind of a little bit chubby and and you know in that awkward phase between 10 and 30 that I had and uh, just my my awkward phase and uh, what <laughs> so there I am and I'm playing hide-and-seek and Bear Creek Park has all these little alcoves and it's really cool and you, it's really an awesome park, and I, I remember I squeezed into this little area, and I'm hiding, and I feel really cool, and I'm not thinking about how I look, and I'm not thinking about what I'm wearing, and I'm not thinking about anything. Probably haven't ever thought one moment in my life about how my physical appearance is, what, what I look like. And this little kid comes up, you know, full of Satan, and, uh, <laughs> and they come up to me, and they sort of lean down, and they say, hey, what? Are you a boy or a girl? Oh, knife to the heart. Because I realized in that moment, this person can't tell. <laughs> and all of the insecurity comes flooding in. And all of the, I'm worried about my appearance and, you know, uh, why do I, I'm wearing a hot pink shirt. Does this person think I'm a girl? Um, you know, are my, are my hammer pants really hammering or are they sort of like, you know, how do I look? And do, you know, am, am I, am I, it just all hit me like a tidal wave because a, a person said something. Now, as I've gotten older and I've analyzed this and you think, Jake, get over it. But how many of you have moments like this? They live on. Why? Because people, people, man, people, ladies, you know what I'm saying? They, they, these moments, and, and as I've analyzed it, I realized like this kid probably was just being rude. This kid was probably just shooting off the cuff. I, they probably could tell I was a boy, but even if they couldn't, who cares? Right? Who cares? But, but I cared. Why? Because it was a, a significant moment. It was a moment where relationship, this just one word, this person wasn't even in relationship with them. I don't think I've ever even seen this person again. And yet it was so poignant for me and it just is, it's just a way to say that relationship is important. People matter most. People connected in relationship. And, you know, Jesus thinks relationship is important. Somebody came to him in Matthew chapter 22, said, Teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment in the law. They wanted Jesus to sort of say, Jesus, what's it all about for you? What's religion about? What's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said this in Matthew 22, 37. He said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Most people, when they think about Christianity or coming to church, they understand that it's about God and worshiping God and loving God, so on and so forth. But Jesus says something pretty amazing in the next part here. He says, but wait a second, it's not just about loving God. There's a second commandment and it's like it. And when he said it's like it, he meant it's equally valuable. It's equally important. Actually, when you break this down, what he's really saying is the way that you will, will validate commandment one is, is with commandment two. And he says, second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, he says in verse 40, all the law and the prophets, the entire structure of the Jewish faith and the context that he's in and religion is really everything hangs on these two commandments. That it's about loving God and loving your neighbor. It's about loving God and loving people. He's saying, yeah, you know you're supposed to love God, but I'm connecting it to this aspect of relationship. So Jesus right away brings relationship with other people, even to the level of your relationship with God. Now, where do we miss it as followers of Jesus sometimes? It's this, is that we put a priority, and I want you to hear what I'm saying. We put a priority on our relationship with God, and we treat other people badly. And Jesus said, look, you don't love God if you don't love your neighbor. You, you really don't get it unless you get both of these things. And I'll flip this around and make it positive. When you love God, when you encounter Christ, when you feel His love and His grace and His mercy working inside of you, you can't help but spill out God's love to the world around you. You know that we can't do this, show the world what God's love looks like. This is an absolutely arrogant statement apart from really loving God first. Because if we just show up and we're like, eh, we're here to show the world what God's love looks like. Let me just tell you right now, I usually show the world what God's love doesn't look like. That's my default position. Anybody with me here? So you have to love God. It's that relationship. And that's why last week we talked about worship. That, that relationship is number one, to, to be connected with God and to, to receive His love and to, to give it. But, but we, we can't neglect how important relationship is. And so for us, relationship is learning to love others like God loves us. And the verse that goes along with this, this is the, the key passage is in John chapter 13, verse 34. Let me set the stage for you on this. Jesus is sitting with His disciples and He's about to go to the cross. And it's kind of this last moment. I mean, I, I hope someday that, that I you know, get to die peacefully uh, in my bed uh, and sort of fall asleep with all my kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, and, you know, maybe four generations, because at that point we have, like, bionic lungs and hearts and everything, and I'm, like, half robot, but 280 years old, just ready to, you know, move on. But um, there I am, laying in my bed, and, and uh, you know, uh, my grandkids are all around, and they all have, like, you know, plastic clothes, because it's the future, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and I get to talk to them and say, hey, kids, this is what it's all about, and give them wisdom, and you know, in, in those moments, like, you want to say the right thing, right? Like, this is the last thing I'm going to say. Well, this is the last thing Jesus is going to say. This is, the, he, he's, this is a significant moment. He's sitting there with his disciples. He says, guys, a new command I give you. They're like, what? New command? We've been with you for three years. Like, you've given us a lot of commands. So and he says, listen, I, this is, lean into this one, guys. A new command I give you, love one another. And they're like, that's it? 
we get that, Jesus. Yeah, we know you're the love guy. You're about love, love, love. No, no, guys, listen. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another as I have loved you. Jesus sets the bar of our love, not at what you can do in your own strength, not at what you can do in your own wisdom, but He sets the standard of love as of I have loved you. That's why our value in relationship is to love others like God loves us, not just to love people in some milk toast, whatever definition you come up with, I loved you, I tipped my waitress, I love. No, no, no. Jesus says, look, the, the standard of love is as I have loved you. And then He says in verse 35, by this, everyone, everyone, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Out of every possible thing that Jesus could have said in this moment, again, right before he gets ready to get crucified, right before he's going to go to the cross, right before the, the, the pivotal moment of history happens, Jesus says, this is what I want you to understand. He says, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Out of anything and everything Jesus could have said, He said that love was the defining mark of our faith. Jesus told His disciples, people will know that you belong to Me not because of how you sing and not because of how you dress and not because of how cool your signs are and not because of your website and not because of your theology, right? And not because of how much even you love God. He said, People will know you belong to me, that you're my disciples because of how you love one another. How do you love each other? How do you embrace each other? Are you there for each other? What is the level of God's love that is flowing through your life? People will know that you belong to me. That's the defining mark of our faith. Any person should be able to come in this room, should be able to see us interacting with each other, they should be able to observe our lives, how we deal with our family, how we deal with our co-workers, and say something is different about this person. They should know that you follow Jesus because of how you treat other people. And this question comes to us today. Does the way that you treat people declare to them that you follow Jesus? And I, I worked on this phrase. I worked on this phrase. The, the word that I want to focus on here for a second is declare. Does the way that you treat people declare to them? You know, sometimes the way I treat people whispers that I follow Jesus. Sometimes the way that I treat people actually is negative that I follow Jesus, right? Like on the belt line, people cut you off and you just, your middle finger just gets really lubricated and it wants to just, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just kidding, I'm a pastor. I don't do that ever, but once maybe. But okay. <laughs> Only when I'm alone, not with my kids in the car. But anyways... This is real talk. Okay. How do I treat people? Does it declare? Does it shout? Does it proclaim? Does it declare that I follow Jesus the way that I treat people? Because apart from God, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We can't really show the world what God's love looks like unless we're connected in relationship. And is it unmistakable? Is it unmistakable? When people see our lives, do they see the brokenness and the humility of a person that needs Jesus and, wants, and has met Jesus and wants other people to know Jesus? Because ultimately, you know, I struggle with this. Sometimes I want to I wanna answer somebody's questions. I want to speak to their needs or whatever. And I want to help them with human wisdom. And ultimately, what they really need is to meet 
Jesus. And they need me to show them what God's love looks like. They need me to show them how, how I was treated by Christ and all the things that He did. You all right? Is it unmistakable? I want to ask you two significant questions this morning. Number one, if we're, if we're trying to learn to love others like God loves us, we have to say, how does God love me? Let me read some scripture to you. This is my favorite verse. It's like everybody's favorite verse, I think, because everyone knows it. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 answers this question definitively. How does God love me? He loves you enough to give the life of His one and only Son. He loves you enough to give the thing that He loves the most to you. That's an incredible thought. You know, I'm, I'm like the overprotective parent, very much so. I have one son and two daughters, and they're all amazing, and I love all of my kids, and I would lay my life down for any of my kids. You know, how many of you would say, have children would say, like, I would gladly take a bullet for my kid. I would gladly jump in, in front of a car and, and, and take the, the Mack truck, meow, meow, you know, and just say, you know, it doesn't work out like in cartoons when you go flat and then you pop back into shape. That's not how it works. Uh, and, uh, you know, how many of you, though, would, you, would, you would jump into a freezing cold raging river to save one of your children? Like, we understand this, but how many of you would throw your kid into a freezing raging river to save somebody else? Think about that for a second. Would I take Jack, my beautiful son, my, my handsome son, my, my pride and joy, would I take my son and throw him in front of a truck to save your kid? And that's when we begin to understand the way that God loves us. Because God said, you would save your son, but I would send my son to save you. I would send my son to save you. And that is the kind of love that will change our city. That's the kind of love that will change the world. That's the kind of love that God has. 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. God wanted you in His family so bad that He would sacrifice His family to bring you in. To call you His child. To bring you back into relationship. And that is what we are. How does God love me? When you get a picture of God's love for you, becomes the basis, the foundation for your ability to love others significantly, to relate to others significantly, to make a difference in others' lives significantly. Christianity gets spread on the sacrifice of love. Thousands of years ago when people were preaching Christ, it wasn't their theology that was changing people's minds. It was not their theology that was part of it. Good theology is important. It was their love. It's the fact that in the Roman Empire at that time, if a person had a, had a disabled child, uh, they would just take that child and throw it out in the street for the dogs. Because they didn't have a value of human life. They didn't, it was just how it was. And Christians would come and they would find those children. They would take them in to orphanages and take them in and raise them as their own. And Christians would lay their lives down for, for their friends. And Christians would literally give themselves and give their children and give their lives for others, and people said, oh my gosh, this is not just a philosophy, this is not just a theology, this is an absolutely incredible love. God's love. God's kind of love. How does God love me? When you connect with God's love for you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I pray that God would reveal His love to you because God desperately loves you. He gave His Son for you. He gave His Son for me. God loves you desperately. 
And when you begin to understand God's love, not only will you want to give your life to Him, but you'll want to give your life away. And the second significant question is this, how should I love others? When I understand how God loves me, I have to ask, how should I love others? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to lay down our lives. John chapter 15, verse 12 says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. Jesus says a very similar thing. He says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. No greater love than to lay down your life. And so as we kind of come to the close in this message today, I want to give you four ways that we can live out this value. Number one is this. Put people first. Put people first. What matters more? Your time, your comfort, your agenda. I'm so bad at this, you guys. I wish I could. I, I want to get better. I'm preaching to myself right now. I put other things before people so many times. Even my own kids, even my own family. It's like, oh, I got to get my message done for Sunday. I had this experience. My daughter wanted to, to, to talk to me. And I'm like, no, honey, I got, I'm busy this week. I got to get my message ready for Sunday. And, I'm, and I sit down at the computer and I pull up my notes and I'm looking at a message on relationship. <laughs> Learning to love others like God loves me. And I thought, I wonder what God would do in this moment. Would he finish his message or would he go get a person, my daughter, and spend some time with her? So what do you think I did? I went and got my daughter and I spent some time with her, right? Because I don't need to preach the best message. I need to live it. I need to put people first. Put people first. Put people first. I mean, think about this. You get mad. You're at work and the thing that you've been working on, it sort of falls apart. And, you know, you, this guy, it's his fault. And so, you know, you want to slap him around a little bit and just let him know you didn't do a good job. You know what I mean? Oh, Brian, I'm preaching to Brian right now. Like he's laughing. Yeah. You just, oh, you, you screwed up. You messed it up. You know, and you want to let him know. And all of a sudden the words come back. Hey, I need to put this person first. What does this person need? What does this person need? Not what's the agenda, what's the, what's the grand thing we're doing. You know, if we try to build this amazing church in the city of Eugene, we'll build, we could build some good stuff. We can send out you know, marketing and build good websites and get good worship. We already got these things. We could, we could build to a certain point. But people know when you don't care about them. You know what's going to build Joy Church? God, number one. But it's God's love reflected through us. Yeah. That when people come in here, that, that they know that we care, that we love that we have a, a place, there's a family, hey, there's a place at my house for you to come and have Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, there's a place at my house for you to come and watch the football game. Hey, there's a place. There's a place for you. Put people first. Number two, let our love be unmistakable. Let me ask you this question. Can people follow your love right to Jesus? Can people follow your love right to Jesus? See, sometimes we do nice things because we get something nice in return, Right? Jesus said in another part of the Bible, He said, it's easy to love your, enemy, or your friends, people that do good to you. You know, Brian and Laura took Bethany out to some awesome Chinese food on Friday night. It was easy to love them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brian's like, here, have some more Kung Pao. Oh my God, I love you, man. <laughs> just want to just kiss him right on the lips. You know what I mean? <laughs> Never happened. Okay, <laughs> not even true. But I love him because why? He's doing something nice for me, right? But what about when Brian's like, you know, Jake, that message sucked. You know, you were, you were off, man. Like, you know, and, and all of a sudden it's like, well, that kind of hurts a little bit, Brian. You know, and then, then where does love come from, right? It's easy to love when you're getting loved. It's easy to love when you're getting blessed. 
It's hard to love when you're being cursed. It's hard to pray for somebody and say, God, really bless them when they're looking at you going, God, really curse them. You know what I mean? It's hard. But that's what Christianity is. It's a beautiful thing. It's supernatural that we can have this unmistakable love. It's Jesus' love inside of us. It's God's love flowing through us. The Greeks had a bunch of different words for love. They had this word called eros. It's like erotic love, physical love. They had this word phileo. It's solical love. It's like Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. It's friendship and that kind of love. Uh, there's different words for love. God's kind of love in Scripture is agape. It's a, it's a supernatural love. It's love that's unconditional. It's love that it's unmistakable. It's very different. That's the kind of love that we want to have in our life. Number three, lay down your life. This means putting yourself second. Jesus says it a couple times. You need to lay down your life. Lay down your life. Now, maybe you're not going to actually die for somebody else, right? Hopefully not, because otherwise we're not going to have a very large church and it's going to take a long time. So just, you know what I mean? Like, just don't take it so literally, but maybe that will be the case. But laying down your life is this. It's putting yourself second. Putting yourself second. It means sacrificing. It means putting your time and your stuff and your heart on the line for somebody else. You know, we oftentimes look to make ourselves a success first. Laying your life down says, I'm going to help Ed Dasso be successful this week. I'm not going to think about my thing. I'm going to think about his thing. It's about, I'm going to help Barry be a success this week, which I am because we're going to lunch on Thursday. Come on. So, you know, he's going to help me be a success, right? Together. But laying our lives down for each other, when the person calls it and says, hey, I'm moving tomorrow, and you go, oh, I have like a million other things to do. You know, when, when there's, when, when somebody needs you, are you putting them first or second? It's really easy to answer this question this way. Am I, am I first or am I second or third or fourth? Laying your life down means willingly stepping back into second place and putting someone else first. And we can do this all the time in life. Moments come up, right, where we can do this. Lay down our lives. It means letting people into your house. It means all kinds of things. Number four, four ways to live out this value. We need to love lavishly. Lavishly. That's, a, that's an awesome word. Love lavishly. What does lavish love look like? It means going out of your way, over the top, unmistakable. It means this. It means you're not using your love. We'll have the band come on up. Thanks, guys. You're not using your love as a reward for the good behavior or as a measure of someone's worth. Don't we do this sometimes? Somebody, somebody's not treating us right, so the love goes down. And then when they start treating us better, the love goes up. And you think about God's kind of love. God's love was so lavish. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that, that even while we were still sinners, in other words, when we were the enemies of God and we basically had our middle fingers up in the air at God, is when He decided to throw His Son in front of the train. When we were sitting there at enmity with God, ah, sneering at Him and angry and mad and sinful and lustful and greedy and whatever, when we were in that posture, that is when God said, I will give my greatest gift. Loving lavishly means I don't use my love as a reward for your good behavior. I don't, I don't, I don't value other people more by loving these people and not these people. Oh, well, we don't, these people, uh, we're not going to love them as much because they are a different color or these people, or we're not going to love them because they're a different economic thing or the, I don't love women as much or I don't love men as much or whatever it is. Your love needs to be lavish, unmistakable. God's love poured out all the time in great measure. As God's love comes to you, can God get it through you? And when we love each other, we need to love 
in this way, it's with this memory that this is how God loves me, I can love lavishly. Father God, help us to learn to love others as you love us. Lord, help us to get it. Lord, it's not our theology, it's not our sermons, it's not our website that reaches people. It's our love. And God, more correctly, it's your love. Freely given, freely offered, freely distributed to each and every one of us. And we have the opportunity to make a significant difference in our city and bring joy and bring life and bring love. That love that you've gotten to us, that God, may it come through us. Let us not be a dim lens that just reflects a little bit of your light, but God, let us be clear. God, your love flows in great measure through us. And it's reflected in every aspect of our life, in our, in our, amongst our friends and our families, our marriages, our co-workers, Lord people on the street, people that we come into contact with, that we live in the reality of your love for us and it breaks us, it, it breaks our hearts and out of that brokenness and out of that response to you comes wonderful, beautiful love, God, that we would learn to love others as you love us. God, let it be so in each and every one of us.